Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is I, the bearded one, the Fox News of this podcast, because I am so damn fair and balanced, sterling, and I am joined by the sole female voice of this podcast, Heather. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. And also, I am joined by the silky smooth, the candy bar person of this podcast, Devin. Hey, thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. And we do have a special guest for you tonight. We don't have Justin again, unfortunately, because he's doing the body slamming that he always talks about that he does. And so we do have (laughs) a very special guest, uh, somebody that has worked on a show that is on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, We have Mark. Uh, Hey, guys, my name is Mark. I am a video editor. I've just recently worked on a show called Inside Joke with Asif Ali. Um, I wish I'd planned out a better intro like uh, Devin did. That was real smooth. But uh, (laughs) that's what you get from me. I accept this. Thank you. Now, Mark, we are going to throw you into this because we do have a little game we play with anybody that we have as a guest on our podcast. It is our three questions. It is what is Based off of the three questions that uh, Rick off The Walking Dead asked people in some of the early seasons before they joined the group, it's based loosely off that. But we started (laughs) off with what are your top three movies and TV shows? I haven't seen The Walking Dead in a long time. I don't remember Rick asking people about their favorite movies, but I I bet (laughs) I can see why he would want to know. Hey, before we like try to survive and kill zombies together, what kind of movies do you like? Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, is this like go-to movies, favorite movies? Well, it's just, we're, we're going to go with favorite, just in general. Like, I mean, it could be a go-to movie for you, but that might play into a later question we have. But just like, okay. what, what, when you think of favorite, like what pops in your head? Uh, my first one's going to be The Big Lebowski, uh, the Coen Brothers classic. Um, I, I've always really liked that movie because it's, uh, of course, uh, just hilarious, but it's super dark. The characters are great. Um, and at the heart, it's just like this kind of insane detective story uh, about the uh, least qualified detective of all time. I can um, abide by that choice. All right. All right. Nice. Um, I was almost going to say a catchphrase from a totally different movie that just didn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. Well, um, you'd be a lot next, cooler if you did. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would be a lot cooler. <laughs> uh, my next go-to favorite movie, whatever, is going to be uh, Inside Out, the uh, Pixar movie from a few years back. Um, nice. Yeah. That was just like, that was one of those movies that just like really connected with me uh, emotionally. Um, I related a lot to not just the, uh, the, the, I wouldn't call her the main character, but the girl at the heart of the story, Riley whose head we are inside of. Um, I had a similar move at a similar time frame that was like pretty, pretty tough on me as well. But then like the emotions inside, um, you know, the, the kind of battle between uh, joy and sadness was something that I found uh, very relatable and very uh, powerful. And uh, my third movie is going to be uh, Dr. Strangelove or how I stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb. Did I just mess up that title? We'll, we'll pretend I got it right. Uh, but again, it's like another, it sounded mostly right. We know what I'm talking about. Um, and again, it's just like, it's a super dark comedy. Um, and it, you know, is of course a, a story for the Cold War, but, uh, you know, holds up really well to uh, today's world. Well, mind Questions, Fuhrer, comments, concerns about those that's three a good list. movies. That is a good fucking <laughs> list. That is a good list. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good diverse list. You really like your irreverent comedies and like your, you know, 
a dark humor and I can get down with that. Yeah, definitely dark comedy is uh, my cup of tea, um, which is going to play into my TV shows that I'm about to list. Uh, my my probably my favorite TV show right now is going to be BoJack Horseman, um, which is mm-hmm. a dark. I hate to call it a comedy because um, to me, it's, it's such a dramatic show. Um, but kind of the way I always describe it is it's a, a drama about uh, you know depression and alcoholism and um, you know being a failure as a person and you know inability to grow and like all these like deep uh, emotions that we kind of all struggle with as we get older that I think are very relatable. Um, but then it's like packaged in this zany animated sitcom thing that just makes all of those things really um, palpable. And so you're able to kind of deal with the bigger emotions because you're laughing at something some silly joke like a, a giraffe wearing 14 neck pillows or like whatever silly kind of puns they have going on. So that's uh, definitely my go-to show. Um, my next one's going to be um, uh, The Americans, which just ended its run recently. Um, not a dark comedy, but definitely dark. Um, and I think what I liked about that show, um, the characters just felt very real, even though it's kind of this insane situation about, you know, Soviet agents living undercover in America. Um, but a lot of the problems that they deal with are, you know, very relatable. It's, you know, it's again, kind of big human emotions about, you know, love and marriage and, you know, lies within that. And then kind of, you know, re- regretting your life choices and mistakes that you've made. Um, so even though it's like this kind of crazy premise, I, th- I find it very relatable. Um, and my third show is going to be Nathan for you. Um, which again is pretty dark and has a you know has a very simple premise of you know this guy helping out small businesses, um, but the the comedy of it is always just so dark and personal. Um, but then always finds this like ray of sunshine. It's it's so baffling and it's like one of those shows I love to watch as an editor because I just love thinking about how it's put together and uh, how how they're manipulating me as an audience member and you know how, why they're you know make what i'm laughing at and what i'm sad about um so it's really interesting to to think about that show and how it functions very very cool is that a current show nathan for you yeah they've done three seasons it's on comedy central um hmm. they i think they did a i think they're on hiatus right now and they kind of go a while between um seasons because it's it's a pretty wild concept um Mm-hmm. Have any of you guys seen it before? I have I've not. I've heard no. the name before. Oh, I've never even heard of it before. What are you watching it on? Okay. Um, yeah, Nathan, for you, it's, a, it's on Comedy Central. So it is a, it is a comedy show, um, but it is packaged as this um, reality show where Nathan goes and helps small businesses. Um, so kind of like the, the big famous one that like went pretty viral is he goes to help a coffee shop owner um, and there's nobody in the coffee shop and he's like, how about we, uh, to get business for you, we just kind of rip off Starbucks and we call this dumb Starbucks. And you can order a dumb latte, uh, a dumb cappuccino, a dumb grande. You basically just take everything. And you know he always has really good lawyers. So he's like, we're going to do this under parody law. So it's going to be you know a coffee shop, but it's really, it's a parody of a coffee shop. So we're going to sell coffee and that's going to allow us to, to use Starbucks by using this like, uh, parody law. So in order to do that, his lawyer is like, well, you need to establish yourself as a parody artist. So he goes and like um, opens this this art show that's like all these like um, parody artwork. 
that he invites people to. He um, performs parody songs at open mic nights. Um, so he basically he finds ways to help businesses, but it's always through these kind of insane, convoluted, wily e coyote type schemes. Um, but then there's also this emotional element to it where Nathan is this very socially awkward person, um, and he's always trying to connect with people, whether it's the business owner or like people that he comes across. Um, it's it's so bizarre, um, and it's so funny, and it's so uh, moving. It's it sounds it's really, really interesting. Hard, hard to describe. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. It's it, to me, it's one of the most interesting uses of the television format. See, that was probably one of the more insightful uh, three and threes we've had yet. You were talking about like the emotional con- connection in and out or inside out. You were talking about uh, you know this show the way you did. It's like wow, like we don't really get that many like deep insightful answers when we ask this question. Well, I spend a lot of time thinking about TV because that's my job. Uh, thinking about TV eight hours a day. Um, and then I live in Los Angeles. So all of my friends are thinking about TV and movies. So that's, you know, the conversation is always, uh, what, what movies have you seen recently? And then you talk about it um, and, you know, how, how it made you feel, all that. Um, but yeah, I find that the shows, you know, whether it's TV shows or movies, whatever I connect with, it's always has to be some sort of emotional connection. That's what, you know, impacts me the most. I have got to move to LA or at least stay there for a little bit because that sounds like paradise for me here. It's not the same. Come hang. Not the same, man. <laughs> it's just not the same anymore. Nobody, I go see movies with people and they're just like, I liked it. I'm like, all right. So, um, that's what did you, you like about it? it? Come on. Yeah. Elaborate. Maybe. No, fuck me. Okay. All right. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's so it's, it's harder to, you know, get deep into a movie and, also to like to talk about a movie in the way that it made you feel. So for me to talk about Inside Out and the way that it made me feel, I have to acknowledge the way that I feel, which a lot of people don't want to do. And Inside Out made me feel really sad because I connected to, you know, the sadness character and, you know, sad things in my own life. So if you're not, you know, able to talk about that with people, it's hard to have a conversation about, you know, the emotional content of a movie. Um, so, But you also learned that that sadness yeah. is a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And like, that's to me, like, that was like the big takeaway of the movie, you know, you know, not only did it uh, move me, but it like helped me in my own life. So what a great movie inside out. I'm all about it. It, it is actually a really great movie. Yeah. yeah. And um, that, that Bing Bong I, I, scene. I love all Pixar movies. That, that, bing, that oh bing Bong scene. You know what I'm fucking talking about. Oh, uh, absolutely. Man. There's I mean, there's so many parts to that movie, but that movie is like, I think that's like, it's such a great yeah, it's such a powerful thing because it's like we all have had imaginary yeah. friends. We've all had to like move on from our childhoods in you know one shape or another, and that's just like this perfect way of uh, encapsulating it, and you know, in this really fun but tragic character. Yeah. Well, that was the part that really got me because I was a pretty pretty lonely kid. Uh, I you know I you know I uh, sucked my thumb and I was poor and uh, I was skinny and ugly. And so I had like tons of imaginary friends and I, I would spend hours just just playing in these fantasies, you know, based off stuff I came up with or TV shows that I watched. And I, you know, I, I, I conquered many worlds and liber- liberated many people and and defended uh, many people who couldn't defend themselves alongside of these friends. And I can't remember a single one of them. So that had an effect on me, you know. It had an effect that yeah. had an effect on me because uh, it was something that was just profound about how 
eventually, if you're growing up right as an adult, you know, those fantasies, um, they go away in a, in a, and they may turn, you may live your dreams and stuff like that, but it, it, there's something about being so whimsical and so free to let your mind just, just wander and let your imagination take hold of you for hours and hours and hours as a child. Um, that it's, I've just never been able to do it to that level as an adult. Again, um, there's always rationale and, you know, there's always my life experiences that go in and there's always my obligations and my commitments and, um, and all of those things that you guys know exactly what I'm talking about that keep me from getting in that mode again. And I always wonder what it would be like, you know, even just for a couple of hours to be able to imagine and create like that uh, so vividly. Um, and that's something that I have, I, I lament from my childhood. Uh, that's one reason I'm happy I was so lonely in my childhood because I, I learned how to be creative and I learned how to, um, to be comfortable with just being me. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful for my seclusion. Uh, and I'm grateful for those imaginary friends, uh, because, you know, they were real to me at the time. Uh, so yeah, that that scene right there was a killer for me. This this podcast yeah. is getting sad. Jesus Christ! <laughs> God, Jesus. It's only right. question one too. I think I just like have the tendency to just do that. That's on me. <laughs> and it, it is a testament to like. I mean, a lot of people do like kind of you know they there's that tendency uh, with like Disney movies that like kids latch out to them and stuff like that. But I think that is where a lot of people underestimate what Disney does in a lot of cases where they do a movie like inside out, which kids can connect with, but adults can connect with too. But like, they don't understand like the power of what that message that is connecting with kids, you know, like a lot of parents and a lot of people made fun of the movie frozen, but some of the messages that are like in frozen, like are good for kids to learn. And if they're learning them in a way that is still like very entertaining to them, it, it, it's a very positive thing. Like, I mean, a, a movie that did like emotionally grab me recently. Well, not recently. It's a fairly like aged movie at this point, but like uh, Moana, like uh, that scene when when and this is spoilers for Moana. And if you haven't seen it yet, fuck you. You're a terrible person because you should have seen it. You should have seen it when that when that grandmother dies. And it's like that ghost stingray pushes her like over that wave. Dear God, I was choking up at that scene. Yeah, that was a powerful movie. I I really liked Moana. Yeah, for kind of the same reasons, because it's all about you know this kid who's growing up, and you know I think a lot of us can relate to that because it's like you know she's kind of tied to her hometown essentially, um, and we've all you know gone beyond that. But you know leaving home is a, a scary thing, and you sometimes need that that literal push to go. Like I had a very strong like connection with my grandmother, and she died when I was young. And like, it's, it was like, I had that connection with that scene. Like, you know, I was roughly the same age as Moana was in the movie when my grandmother died. And so like, it was, you know, that thing, like that connection with your grandmother and that, you know, the grandmother doing the thing to help him out. And you're just like, I was just like, fuck you, Disney. I should not be get, like, like choking back tears right now. Like, <laughs> fuck you. I was pissed off. But like, it, it was, it's a great moment. And like the fact that like, I'm not gonna lie, like, Movies that have grabbed me emotionally, like more lately, have been Disney movies. I am a big proponent that people should watch Princess and the Frog, because uh, that movie like grabbed me by the heartstrings and like tried to rip them out. Oh, that's such an underrated Disney film. Uh, Princess and the Frog is I have amazing. I've not seen that one. Oh man, 
Yeah, it was it was the last hand drawn animated movie by Disney, and it really should be at a, like held in higher reverence than it was because that movie is fucking amazing. For one, taking the Princess and the Frog story that everybody does know growing up, and like putting it in that New Orleans jazz setting was fucking perfect. It fits so well in that, and uh, the uh, the Firefly Remy. That's the character who ends up having that scene that emotionally destroys me every time I watch that movie. And I'm known for being, man, dude, I'm, I'm known for being a robot. Like a lot of people, like I'm known for being a robot. I don't get that emotional with things, but dude, that movie kicks me in the fucking heart balls every (laughs) time I watch it. And like, I feel like a masochist every time I watch it because I know what's going to happen. I know every time I watch that movie, I'm going to get choked up at this one scene. And I still fucking watch it. And I and I enjoy it. I enjoy having that emotional response to this movie, which ultimately is just considered a kid's movie because it's an animated movie by Disney. And it just shows how amazing they are at things that like as an adult, I'm watching this movie and I'm having that response. Like I'm like, that shows how truly great those movies are. And that's what like, I mean, Pixar made its name off of, which was making essentially animated movies which were marketed towards kids. That when adults went and watched them, they still got a enriching, uh, satisfying movie going experience, even if it was for a different reason than their kids. Totally. Yeah. That's why I, I, I'm a big fan of nearly all Pixar movies um, be- because of that reason, because they, they just are so emotionally powerful. Except for the Cars movies, right? Except for the Cars movies. Well, I mean, we can all agree those that those are shit ripped off right? Doc Hollywood and then just started just shitting on everything. I mean, I, I can't really speak to Cars 2 or 3 because I didn't see them, but I nearly walked. If I'd had a ride home, I would have walked out of Cars 1. I saw Car 1s and Cars 2, and I'm not even interested in seeing Cars 3. But we have another thing that we have to, <laughs> to address here. Heather. Heather? Yeah, I mean, I did forget. We, were, we, we haven't even gotten well, to the second well, well, question. Heather, hold on one second, okay. Heather. <laughs> Everybody else has shared. Yeah. I think it's time for you to share now. <laughs> Open up your heart to us. Am I sharing like... Heart. An open emotional us, animated movie? Is you that gotta, what I'm sharing? Yeah, just open up your heart to us. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm the one that has a problem with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I honestly, like, if we're talking animated movies, I really have to be on the inside out train there. Like, <laughs> I remember seeing that in theaters when it came out, and I actually had, like, serious cry face leaving the theater because it really is way more emotional than I ever expected it to be, you know? And so I, I honestly, I have to agree. I think inside out is that emotional animated film for me. Yes. One that gets me every time I didn't say a specific film, uh, land before time when Littlefoot sees that shadow and he thinks it's his mother. <laughs> oh my mm. God. Oh man. That, oh, man. Boy, man. That's <laughs> Jesus that Christ, man. Oh man. Boy, when I saw that as a kid, Oh man, boy! Talk about some deep. I mean, since we've been going off about like being in an emotional safe base, uh, I feel like I should be able to tell you guys this and not feel judged. That scene did nothing for me, Sterling. You watched Precious, and then you were like, "I just didn't feel anything for that character." So that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) I mean, it was a good movie, but I I know it did nothing. I know we know. You just took all the like emotional credit you built up there and everybody's just like, oh, God damn, this fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's why emotionally I am a robot because like I watch something like Presses or or like you said the scene in Land Before Time and I watch it and I'm like I guess it sucks but <laughs> okay let's get past the second part of the question though second second part okay. of the question <laughs> <laughs> all right all right second second question second question for Mark now all right what is your biggest movie guilty pleasure movie guilty pleasure man um I feel like I don't have any movie guilty pleasures all right well a TV show then like just TV show I can do. Something like that that you know is bad. Like you watch and you go, fuck, this is bad. But you're like engrossed and you love it anyway. Uh, I just recently got into Survivor, the TV show. <laughs> nice. Man, it is so good. And I hated on it, you know, forever. Um, but it's if you let me take that again. It's basically just like this kind of insane human experiment. So you take 20 people and you throw them on this island and you make them do stuff. So like that's the convoluted part. But at, once you get past that, it's this insane human experiment where they just have to interact with each other. And in order to win, you have to, A, eliminate people. But then you have to get those people that you eliminated to vote for you. And it's really interesting, like the human dynamics of that, because, you know, you might say, oh, uh, Devin, you played a really good game. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the top three. You're about to win. Uh, but you were a jerk to me this one time, so I don't want you to have a million dollars. So even though you're the better player, I'm going to vote for somebody else. Um, well, so it's, it's this insane too, human experiment. Fuck uh, you too. I'm totally about it. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Hey, you know, I know that you would yeah. you, you would play to win oh, and, you know, maybe burn some bridges. But I'm actually, I'm actually not, not as much game. of a bridge burner as I used to be in high school. I have I've learned how to keep those bridges up in my life. Um have you ever seen <laughs> Naked and Afraid? Um, I think I only saw like 10 minutes of it. Oh, my God. I love and that show. I That's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> no, 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 no. You haven't got it. I mean, there's people who like <laughs> step on. They just they're like Naked and Afraid. If you don't know, it's just they take two people and they strip them butt ass naked and they give them three things to bring. Um, and then they just leave them in the worst places ever. Like they left people in the Amazon. They have to survive for like, I think, 28 days with just their survival skills. They've left them in the Amazon. They've left them in Africa. They've left them in deserts. They just leave them in the worst places in the world for human beings to be just butt-ass naked. Uh, and you would not. And it's not like these people are like, these people aren't like, you know, I guess, outdoorsy types. They're just like... A, a, a lot of them actually have some type of survival experience. But what they usually do is they do a mismatch. They'll take somebody who has a okay. lot of it. And then somebody's like, I was in Boy Scouts for four years and I learned how to make a fire. And I just think this would be a good way to test myself. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> they just put these people together. And it's just amazing. When you talk about a human experience, the best thing, there is no money. There's nothing at the end. It's just like... Just like, well, you were butt-ass <laughs> naked for 28 days in the Amazon and you got bitten by all the snakes. How do you feel? And they're like, I want to die. And I, I'm emaciated and I lost 46 pounds. In 20, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what happened. And it's, it's just a great, it's just a, if you want to talk about a human experiment, it's like survival with survivor with no rewards. No, 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 no monetary rewards. I'm sure that you find yourself in the shit. I understand, but yeah. I can go to therapy to do that. I don't, I'm not fucking <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, my favorite thing about Naked and Afraid is like at the beginning when they like have these people that are more like Navy SEALs to like judge the, the people 
on their estimated like survival, like survival rating and shit like that. They give them like a score on whether or not they think they're going to succeed or fail like at the beginning. And I love it too, because there's one episode I watched where like this person got like this high ass score, but then like 15 days in, they were like violently ill and they're like dying and they're like, yeah, you're going to yeah, stop that was this now. one where um, they were, <laughs> they had found some water and then one of the people was like, Hey, um, you know, we got to boil this water for a drink. It. And the person was like, man, I'm thirsty as hell. And I'm going to drink this water. And then, and then that person was like, well, we're in the wild. You just can't drink water <laughs> out of the wild like that. It's, it's bad for you. And then like she goes, well, I just, I, I just, I'm going to drink it. I'm going to die if I don't drink it. And then it was like next scene. <laughs> like <laughs> Cassandra's asshole has exploded with diarrhea. If she doesn't receive medical attention, she will poop out her gallbladder. <laughs> so, it's amazing. Oh, and what's crazy about that show that I just realized, like, so they're they're out there, they're naked, they're afraid. Um, but there's cameras with them, so there's like probably a, like let's say a four person camera crew following them around. Yeah, those people get to eat. So not only are you naked, afraid, and hungry, you're yeah. watching other people. Yeah, they drink water. I know they're going to go back to comfortable <laughs> beds and they're going to sleep in a nice place and they have a car with air yeah. conditioning. And if they get too hot, they can go, how do you take a break, boss? Yeah, that's the thing about it. But they actually give yeah. them a, a camera for it like nighttime. And I mean, like one time they're in the Amazon and you can hear like Jaguars, like that's a Jaguar, uh, like roaring in the night and like. I just, if I was anywhere and I heard a Jaguar, I'd be like sitting in the helicopter. I'm no, I'm not, I'm not about this Mowgli yep, shit. Done. Okay. I don't know. This is, I'm not going to do this. Yep. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I just, I'm not going to get eaten by an animal. It's not going to, not, not going to do it. Not today. See, when I watch that show, I like to think that it's still like the camera crews are union. So it's like, you know, they're like filming for like four hours and like, all right, we're taking a break now. So like sitting there eating like a hot dog, smoking a cigarette right in front of somebody that's like starving to death. They're like, nah, I'm on my unit. And then like the camera crew, I think in the beginning there's like somebody, the camera crew had to sign agreements that they would not help the survivors unless their lives were in jeopardy. (laughs) It's just like, well, I'm glad that they took that risk. I'm glad glad that they made that sacrifice. See, I would be the worst person in the world on that show because my three items would be like a 12 pack of Tagate, like a carton of cigarettes and a lighter. <laughs> yeah, you. Well, a lighter would be good. I mean, I guess I guess the lighter, the lighter would be good. But then after like my carton of cigarettes would be gone, which would be like five days. I'd be useless because I'd be going through withdrawals in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> you would probably decide that you just wanted to die anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, if I have to go like 15 minutes without a cigarette, I feel like I'm dying anyway. So. I probably would not be able to handle that well after that. <laughs> Nicotine addicted and afraid. <laughs> Dude, that is that, that is one of my biggest nightmares is to like stop smoking. Like I'm the worst person in the world to ever be around if you're quitting smoking because I don't give a fuck and I'll chain smoke right in front of your face. And it doesn't matter how many times you make me promise not to give you a cigarette. If you go, hey, let me bum one. I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Here you go. I can give them away. I don't give a shit. Okay, we got to start talking about the show now. Let's talk about Mark. Well, well, technically, we do have to address the third question. Even though Mark did answer it, we do need to address the question. Because the third question would be to your guilty pleasure why you did you did explain that when you brought the you know when you brought the show up. So we can skip that that 
that part of the game because you did already answer that. So yes, as Devin as Devin said, let's get into the show. Let's get into Inside Out or Inside it's Out, okay. really. <laughs> um, inside joke. At least at least I got confused because one of the words was the same. Please yes. call it by its full title: Inside Joke with Asif Ali. Yes. Get into Every the show. Time, say the full title: Inside Come Out on. with Asif Ali. Thank you for elaborating, Mark. You made our job easy. I, I do what I can. Let's get into the show. So, Mark, if you can, please give us a brief synopsis of this show. Okay, so inside... Man, I almost said inside out. Inside Joke with Asif Ali is... It's a stand-up comedy docu-series. Um, and basically what we do is we take uh, young upcoming stand-up comedians. I doubt you've heard of any unless you're really into the stand-up. Um, and basically we intercut their stand-up performance with them talking about stuff. So uh, they get interviewed while they're kind of doing stand-up. So you basically, you say a joke and then at this separate interview location, they're talking about the joke or like what, what actually made them think of that. Or, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you know, where they came from or how they got into comedy or, you know, um, deeper stuff that, you know, kind of what makes what they find funny, what makes them like tick or what, you know, how they're looking to push an audience. Um, so basically it's a way to a, laugh at some some great stand-up comedy, but then learn about these comedians, these artists, and where they came from and why why they perform the way that they perform. So not the quickest synopsis I've ever done, but I feel like I really summed it up pretty well. You did. That was a good sum up. Yes. <laughs> now the question I have, what is your role in this docu-series, Mr. Hall? Uh, my role is many things. So our crew for this basically our main crew is four people uh there's the director greg there's a producer dave there's our host asif and there's me um and when we did like when we shot uh the night of the the act or when we were shooting the stand-up we hired you know more camera operators and stuff um but for the most part it was the four of us so i recorded the audio of the stand-up comedy so the live performance i shot camera for most of the interviews um and i was the editor for about half of it and plus i cut a bunch of promo material and mixed some stuff and uh so we we kind of all did a lot because it's such a small team but primarily i would say i was if you were to ask me what i did which you just did primarily i was the editor that was my main you know creative uh contribution to the show was the editing so i have to ask um I always wondered this about because uh, this is a docu series. I know it's not reality TV, but when they do their set and then they have their interview, is that interview preset or post set, or is there? Do you guys see the routine before it, then do the interview? How does that work? Uh, that's a great question. So we did all the sets first. So basically, the set was done, and then the interview and the questions we asked in the interview were based off of their material. So the, the, the jokes that they tell, you know, inform the questions that we asked and that, you know, drove the conversation. Whose job was it to ask said questions about the set? Uh, so that was Asif, our host. So Asif is a stand-up comedian and actor. Um, and so he hosts the actual stand-up events. So when we were, you know, doing the performances, he's coming out. He did, you know, probably about 20 minutes a night of stand-up comedy at our five different tapings. Um, 
And then, you know, so he does a set and then brings on a comic and then, you know, kind of comes on in between each comic and then he's hosting the interview. So it's like, um, you know, it's a one-on-one interview. So it's Asif and comic A and they talk about, uh, you know, whatever the set was about or, you know, wherever the conversation went, the, the interviews all tended to be very long. We would typically take 45 minutes to an hour for each interview. Um, and each comic had a total of about 14 minutes in the final show, most of which was stand-up comedy. Um, so the interview could go a lot of places and then you find the like really good bits, you know, that are super interesting, but also inform their story um, and kind of help you bridge gaps and um, yeah, basically tell their story and kind of enhance their comedy, their their routine in this kind of new way. Yeah, that was one of the things I really did uh, appreciate the show because uh, like the stand-up comedy part of it, it's, it is, you know, your standard stand-up comedy parts of it, but like interlaced with the interviews and stuff like that, where he would talk about specific jokes or like, you know, or what made them a stand-up comedian and things like that. Like it was a really interesting way to like see some of those bridges, like connect with stuff. Um, my, my wife is a stand-up comedian and, uh, here in the Chicagoland area. So I've, you know, I know just a stupid amount of stand-up comedians and it was really kind of fun just like hearing these comedians on the show kind of tell some of the same stories or the same experiences that like I've heard other people tell, like it really is kind of a universal experience, uh, among stand, uh, among stand-up comedians. Uh, even in LA, like the show is, or like Chicago up here, where it's it's a lot of the same type of things. And uh, that was a really cool thing to see, like that you don't always get when you just watch like a stand up special, or like even if it's like a Comedy Central like up and coming thing, like you don't always get those aspects of it. And it was really nice to see those connections. Yeah, I think what's really cool about the show is like you have the stand up comedy, and you know some some comics you're gonna like more than others, just um, based on you know your sense of humor. Um, that every comic has an interesting story. You know, they're comedians, you know, if you think of them as artists, they're kind of bound to be interesting people because they're kind of taking this crazy profession where you get up in front of strangers every night, sometimes multiple times a night, and you try to make them laugh. And if you fail, it's, you know, super embarrassing. Um, so they've all failed a lot, um, but they all keep trying and keep pushing um, so they all have interesting stories and, you know, it's like how, how they, how you get into comedy and what informs your comedy is always pretty unique. Um, but there are, yeah, there are a lot of similarities and there's, you know, I'd say there's a lot of similar personality types within comedy because it takes, takes a certain type of personality to kind of subject yourself to that kind of subject yourself to an audience until you're good. And it's, you know, it takes a lot of failure to be good at and a lot of public failure, uh, to be good at it. Yeah, I actually, um, I can't, I, forgive me, I'm probably going to be saying his name wrong, but I think it was Benayam Bazune. Um, Benayam Bazuna. Yeah, that one. Yes. He, I thought he was, <laughs> <laughs> sorry for butchering the name. He was hilarious, but I also liked in the specific interview that he was doing, um, you could just tell that he actually, he had a lot more serious things to say. You know, and I think I appreciated that because you you don't feel like he was just trying to be on all the time. You know what I mean? Like he was just being very real. And a lot of his jokes that he made just came from kind of real places. And I really just appreciated that you could see that more in his interviewed side of it, um, as opposed to just like him trying to be the comedian all the time. So I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, that's actually a great example. Binium is one of my my favorite segments on the show. He's a Me too, great yeah. stand-up comic. Um, but yeah, what I think is really interesting about that segment um, is um, he has a really interesting story. So Binium is a black man, but he's actually a, you know, he doesn't have the traditional African-American story or lineage or whatever because his parents moved here from Ethiopia I guess in the 70s or 80s. So he's a first generation American who is also black. Um so that in his story is just very different from, you know, any other black person or from any other first generation mm-hmm. uh person. Um yeah. so then you combine those things and then you combine kind of his mental health struggles that he's very open with. Um and you get this really interesting picture of him and he's like you said he's very willing to like turn the comedy off and be very emotionally honest um and i think that's when you get like these really interesting pictures of these people is when they're able to you know not be not try to be funny all the time and you know take a step back and go you know this is who i am as a person and Mm -hmm. that inform that informs why i am funny um but there's more to me than just being funny. Yeah, exactly. Here we go again with the sadness. We're going right, right back into it, man. Okay. So if anybody, if oh, anybody yeah. during this podcast started <laughs> crying, I want you to just do this. Whenever you see your tears, just refer to them as emotion lotion and it'll make you laugh. And then you won't be sad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, but I mean, it's like there's that, I guess that stigma or that stereotype of the sad clown. Um, and I, I feel like you see that a lot in a lot of these comics. It's like, you know, yes, they're very funny, but you know, they're all real people with, you know, real thoughts and feelings. Um, and by nature of being a stand up comic, they're always talking about themselves and what they think. So they're kind of more willing to talk about also how they feel about stuff. Um, and a lot of times, you know, that's sad things. And, you know, a lot of the comics, uh, talk about depression and you know family losses and struggles growing up. So you know there's a lot of very relatable uh, content in there um, or relatable stories in there that you know you're going to identify with, even if it wasn't your story. Like, and that's and that's funny. Because, uh, not funny. It's it's interesting because like a lot of the stand-up comedians I know, like they really are like the same. Like they've all, they've got the same mindsets as a lot of the ones that they show in the, the show. Like a lot of them are battling mental health issues and, you know, different things all the time. Like, or like, I know a few that are battling different and varying versions of substance abuse problems and stuff like that. And like, it really is in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's the comedy that helps them get through a lot of that. Like not necessarily like being funny, it's just performing and making other people laugh like that's what helps them get through a lot of that stuff uh and it was really interesting to see like especially like you know when you're seeing a stand-up comedian like a lot of times it really is sometimes it's just a persona that they're giving off like they're playing a character up on stage and like seeing these interviews you know interlaced within it like you see that you know during the interview part like you you see them as more just like like you said, like people, like they're just like humans, like dealing with things that like everybody else deals with, even though on stage, it's all about laughs and being funny and stuff like that. Even if it is like going to the dark side of things, which a lot of comedians do, but it's, it's really interesting to see like the persona on stage and then who they are, like cut between jokes. Yeah. That, and that was, it's a very interesting balance 
um, from an editing standpoint um, to kind of balance the maybe higher energy um, stand up and the lower energy, you know, conversation. Um, trying to think of a good example. Um, old for edit. Um, See, I don't remember the comedian's name, but it's he he drew a mustache on his face. Okay, it was, really, um, was a really big example to me. That's a great one. Um, yeah, so there's one comic. Uh, his name is Ian Abramson, and he, I guess, I would describe his act as like surreal. Um, it's like part vaudeville, part like making fun of stand up, part magic act. It's like all these kind of insane things, and it's so funny and the audience kind of doesn't know how to react to him a lot because he's so out there. Um, but then when you talk to him, he's just like uh, a very normal person um, who likes magic and vaudeville and stand-up comedy and, uh, you know, is a very deep thinker. Um, but yeah, you don't get that in his act because his his act is... That act in particular, Ian's, is like the, the most like capital A act. He's the most playing a character on stage um because that that person ian on stage doesn't exist in real life whereas i think you know most other comics you know it's their personality just ramped up a bit you know it's you know that them at 115 percent or them after a couple of drinks where ian is ian's on stage version of himself is a whole another human being yeah i yeah i saw all but i think two episodes so far and the craziest thing about his is like his was probably so far of like all I've saw was probably one of the like the riskier acts like when it comes to stand up comedy. Like I've seen a ton of people do stand up. I've been to a ton of showcases. I've been to a ton of open mics. I've seen a ton of people do stand up. And his was probably one of the more like risky versions of it I've seen because he does this time travel joke <laughs> that you really have to go on that journey with him to like truly appreciate what he's doing with it because it's it really is smart it's a very smart joke it's it's a very well thought out premise and but like i said you have to be willing to like go on that journey with him to really appreciate what he's doing with it because it's very long and it's very unique and it's i haven't seen a lot of comedians do something like that and i think if you do go on that journey with him though it really does have a solid payoff that uh that you would get out of a normal joke it just it gets to that punchline in a very different way that i don't think a lot of people are, are ready for uh or even expecting yeah nobody is expecting what what ian is throwing out there and uh yeah that was a challenging edit i didn't do it uh our director greg cut cut ian's thing um but like that time travel bit is i think four minutes long and they only had like 12 minutes on stage um and so it's like you go into this bit and he's like coming on and off stage and he's like kind of slurring his words and reordering them. And the audience is like at first not quite understanding what's happening. And like kind of as he, you know, gets further into this bit, more and more of them are coming along and then more and more people start figuring out what's happening. Uh, yeah, it's like like you're saying, it's like has a huge risk for falling flat on on your face. Um, but it's so funny because he just he totally puts himself out there. Um, and, you know, because of that, the reward is really now, high. Mark, uh, speaking of cutting and doing some difficult cuts, um, can you walk us through the process of um, cutting footage? And when I say the, the process of cutting footage, um, your emotions going through. Um, has there ever been a time where you're just you have to edit, you have to get it done and you're, you're trying to figure out what to cut 
and it's so difficult and you got to cut something that you really personally like what what goes on with all that how does that all transpire uh yeah i think i can think of like a really specific example oh first i'm gonna walk you i'll walk you through the whole process and then i'll talk to about cutting something that I really like. Um, so basically, the way I would do it is, you know, we shoot everything. We've shot the stand up. We've shot the interview, and so now it's time to put those things together. Um, so my process would be: I'm going to use Steve Gillespie for this process. Um, he, he's like this kind of really dark uh, comic. Um, he's funny. He was really funny. Yeah, he's really fun, really strong, um, and his personality is a, a little different than his stage persona, but they're pretty similar. Um, so what I do is I watch the whole stand-up act, which is between 12 and 15 minutes long. And I just kind of like write an outline of, you know, what the kind of what the bits are, what the the punchlines are. It's just like a, a page of like real quick notes of just like joke A, joke B, joke C, joke D, whatever. Um, and then for the interviews, we actually get them. They're like an hour long. Um, so you can watch them or we get them transcribed. So you can just read them. And I found it easier to just read what they were saying the first time. Um, and then I, I'm essentially connecting dots. It's, you know, what, how can, you know, this bit of stand up inform this bit of the interview and vice versa. Um, so I'm basically just like going, okay, for joke A, we could talk about interview topic X or Y. And then for joke B, we could talk about, you know, subject Z or maybe subject Z could go for this other thing. So you're just kind of like roughly thinking, okay, I think, I think these ideas connect. Um, and then, so I would essentially outline it on paper. And I go, okay, I think it's going to go this way. We're going to have this joke, then this interview bit, then this joke, then this interview bit, so on and so forth till the end. Um, and sometimes that works out. And sometimes you put it together and you go, well, this is garbage and you have to like totally rearrange it. But I think for, for Steve's, I think it was pretty straightforward. Um, and it comes together. You've got hopefully got this uh, you know, 14, 15 minute thing that you really like. Um, but for Steve's, it was long because every one of his jokes killed. Um, so I think one of his, I think one of my favorite jokes of the whole, of all of the jokes was one of his and it didn't make it into um, the final piece. Um, basically, the, the premise of the bet is he's talking about like how he, he doesn't have a lot of money. He doesn't have health insurance. Um, I'm going to kind of butcher this, but he's like, I don't have health insurance. If I need, uh, if I need to go to a doctor, I'll get into a car accident. I've got car insurance. Um, and it's like, you, you broke my leg and gave me testicular cancer. Um, so basically he's saying, you know, <laughs> I can't afford health insurance. Yeah. That's going to get me there. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Steve. You say it much better than I do. Um, but I didn't have a place for that in there. Um, and that's because I'm kind of, as I'm going through this, I'm, I'm trying to use the best jokes. And in this case, this was probably the best joke, but it didn't inform the larger story about Steve. Um, and so with Steve, I was kind of able to connect dots about like his upbringing. So he's like, um, he was born prematurely. So he's got like some, some birth effects and like, you know, that, you know, he was bullied by his, his bigger older brothers a lot because they were, I guess, you know, bigger and stronger. Um, so he's got bits about that. And then he, you know, talks about this open relationship that he's in. Um, and he's got jokes about that, but also like really interesting insights in his interview. Um, so there was like all these like really interesting things about Steve. Um, and that car insurance joke just didn't fit that bigger story. So as much as I like it, it just didn't have a place. So it got, you know, cut out. 
and I've seen it and a few other people have seen it. Uh, but if you want to see it, you got to go see Steve live when he comes to your town. Nice plug. I like that. Uh, so did that answer your question? Yes, it, it answered it perfectly. I just want to, you know, uh, give people a glimpse behind the curtain. I, I really do just like talking to industry professionals and seeing what happens in the editing room. Uh, and or if you if you if you run sound or if you write scripts or whatever you do, I want to know the the minutia of your job and, and how you feel when you're back there. Um, you know, that that's that's exactly what I was looking for. So thank you. Very well done. Yeah. You've done interviews um, before, haven't you? I <laughs> have not, but I watch a lot of them. Yeah, so you've been coached. It's fucking Yeah. Uh the director's in my ear right now telling me what to say. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's like he's like Tyler Durden. <laughs> this yeah. conversation is over. <laughs> Mark, you're rambling again. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, up. Um, wrap it up B. I was going to say, like, not many, you know, video editors get interviewed for things. Uh, nope, not particularly. I think the editor of uh, Better Call Saul slash Breaking Bad runs a podcast. Oh, my God. About that. About Better that Call show. Saul. Please hurry up and get to Netflix so I can watch this next season. Because, Jesus, that is one hell of a fucking show. Yeah, it's one of my one of my favorites. If, if you would ask I me, I think my it's top. better than Breaking Bad, man. I really do. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know that I agree with you, but I feel like it's a fair, fair choice. Uh, if it continues in the momentum that it's going, I think it will be better than ba- Breaking Bad. And, and hopefully you and I can talk independently about that. I don't want to spend this conversation and your valuable yeah. <laughs> time talking about that. But we, we can't talk about that because I love myself a good debate and I would love to debate this because when I say that, <laughs> people are like, you son of a bitch. You get the you get out of my house. You stay away from my children. And you, and you delete me off of social media. And that was in his own house that that happened. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, oh, wife said that to me. Yeah. Mark, I'm curious though about um, how did you kind of get involved with this show in the first place? Um, I got involved with the show. Um, let me take that again. Um, I've been working for this company that produced the show, uh, Secret Headquarters, for coming up on five years. So I moved out to LA five years ago, uh, got hired as an intern there, and just never left. Um, And mostly what we do (laughs) is not make TV shows. Uh, We do more stuff for other people. So right now, I'm doing publicity stuff for like Marvel. Um, So probably not stuff that you guys have seen, but like basically to like, you know, we just get hired by other people. In this case, it's Marvel. Sometimes it's other Disney things. Sometimes it's, you know, Fox or Paramount or whatever. We kind of just do editing stuff for other people. Um, mm-hmm. So this show, they came up with right before I started. Um, and they actually shot a pilot of it um, that was a little different format. It didn't have a host. It was the same thing, stand-up comedy and interviews, but there wasn't a host. Um, and that's how they met Asif, who is our host, by he was one of the comics that was featured in it. Um, so basically, I, I got hired there. And you know we've been kind of batting around show ideas like this and a few other things. And essentially, um, my boss, the director of the show, Greg, was like, you know what? I'm just going gonna, gonna to make this inside joke show. We're going to make it happen, um, you know, whether, whether we can get somebody to pay for it or not. And the, the idea was you know, to then make it and then sell it to a Netflix or Amazon or whatever. Um, so it was not made in the way that 
shows are traditionally made. Um, it was more, we were like, we want to make the show. We think it's going to find an audience. And so we went and we made the show. Awesome. And that was a good call with picking Asif to do that because I think he's a great host. Like he, he's really, he's solid. And I think he's definitely, every time he's up there doing his set that he does for a few minutes, it's always really funny. So that was a good call on their part. Yeah. He's a great comic. He's great with like working with audiences. Um, and he's also just like a very easy to talk to person. So he's able to, you know, a lot of these comics he already knows, but some of them he didn't. Um, and he's still able to have this, you know, interesting conversation about the art form of stand up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's awesome. He's great. He's, uh, yeah. Can't say enough nice things about Asif. Yeah. That was a, that was a really interesting thing about him is the fact that like you have a lot of like stand-up comedians or just industry people that are like they can do their thing but then also being able to um have a compelling interview like have him being an interviewer uh is also another skill so the fact that he was able to be a very solid stand-up comedian and then also a very solid interviewer like it really seemed like you know you guys found the the right person to do that yeah, they're totally different skill sets. Um, like we were talking about Ian Abramson earlier. He's hilarious. Um, but his his like persona is so out there that a lot of people aren't gonna be able to like connect with that. Whereas Asif is like you're very easily to uh connect with him. Yeah, you know, even if he doesn't, you know, look like you or sound like you, he has a very different experience than you, he still kind of has this ability to like reach out and people can uh connect with him. You know, back in the day, you and me uh, went to school for for audio engineering and stuff like that. So how exactly did you end up doing, you know, more stuff on the video side of things? Um, so I, I was working in my early 20s as a sound engineer uh, in Lubbock, Texas, and I had been at this place for a while um, recording local bands or whatever. And I was kind of realizing that it wasn't for me and that it, like I just wasn't good enough. I was improving a little bit, but I would listen to like stuff I recorded and stuff other people recorded and I could just tell like my stuff's fine. It's okay, but it's not great. Um it's not going to like it's not good enough that I can like do this as a career forever. It's fine in my early 20s because I'm learning and people kind of expect me to suck. Uh but it's not going to be okay when you're 30 and you still suck at this. So I was like having this realization that I needed <laughs> to find a new career path. Um but I didn't want to do that because I still liked what I was doing. Um, and then like through kind of this insane circumstance, um, we had been working on this project. It was like a live concert of this group that my boss managed. And I had been like working on um, some of the audio stuff for that, like doing the mixing and overdubs and stuff like that. Um, and we're getting close to the end of this project. And um, through a total like personal set of circumstances, I had just gone through a breakup um, and I'm heartbroken. I'm super sad. Uh, and like two days after that, my boss is like, all right, we need to finish up this concert thing. Uh, Toby, who's this other recording engineer that works there, uh, you're going to mix it. Um, and then you're also going to learn how to edit and you're going to edit the the video because we don't have anybody to do that. And I was like, well, I need something to do because I'm heartbroken and sad. Um, so let me learn how to edit since neither of us know what we're doing there. Let me learn and spend this time. So I'm not just like, you know, home alone and sad. Uh, so he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, go ahead. Um, so I had this 
hour long concert to edit and also how to learn how to edit. Um, and that went really well. Um, and I kind of realized I was like, I'm, I have a knack for editing that I didn't really have for audio engineering. I felt like I just kind of innately understood it better. Um, so after that first thing, I was kind of hooked and I was at that company, I was able to do like a couple video production things here and there. Um, but I kind of just realized that I needed to get out and, uh, go be a full-time video editor. And so that's what I did. Awesome. Yeah. And I did see that you're, you're also still doing some of the audio stuff. Yeah. For the show, I did the, the, the recording of the actual show and I, I mixed like a lot of our like promotional stuff, like trailers and things like that. Um, so I do still do some mixing, um, but I know that I'm like not. There's people that are better at it than I am at mixing. Um, but I'm a great editor, and uh, you know, have no problem saying that. See, like I remember, like you know, I didn't, I didn't finish the, you know, all the courses like you guys did uh, for the audio stuff, and like I remember like getting back into this podcast. Like it's, it was a little bit like riding a bike. Like some of it, I still remember just inherently. Like it was just for whatever reason, I just instantly knew what to do. And then there yeah. are other things that you're just like, oh, man, what do I need to do for this? And like, it <laughs> kind of is a trial by error thing. Like, I mean, like, no, like there were times like I was like, I know I need to compress this. But what the fuck settings do I put on this compressor? Like all that stuff had left me. But like it was just I still inherently knew I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, I need to compress this. But what the fuck do I do with it? <laughs> yeah, it's been useful for me. Like, you know, I think it helped me as an editor, like having that kind of audio background knowledge um because it means like a my rough mixes tend to sound better than other editors because i work on that um but i think both like mixing and editing are kind of similar in that you're like kind of guiding the audience to experience what you want them to experience so you know as an editor i control what the audience sees and as a mixer you're controlling what the audience hears so I think they're really similar in that like you're essentially the audience's guide and you're taking them through this experience. So I think I think they have helped, you know, one informs the other. So I think being being having that background in audio has helped me as a video editor. See, I'm still just trying to get, you know, back to like proper mic technique, because even then when I'm talking into a mic, I know I have horrible mic technique. I mean, I was never anybody that was in front of a mic uh, when we were doing recording <laughs> stuff, it's, you know, things like that. But like. Just in general, I, there are things I know I shouldn't do when I talk into a mic and I still do them all the time. Like I'll be talking to my microphone and then I'll turn my head to go, you know, to drink my beer or to like, you know, take a drag off my cigarette. And so like you can hear my audio sometimes like fade just a little bit at the end of a sentence. And it's like things like that. I know I shouldn't do it, you know, and I never notice I do it until I'm record or like until I'm editing. Like when I'm listening back to the audio, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Sterling? What was that idiot doing? Oh, that idiot was me. Oh, yeah, I'm damn. like, oh, I'm like, oh, you <laughs> fucking know better than that. Like, I know these things. Like, I've got a fairly legit mixer. It's not, you know, like studio quality, but it's it's damn near better than any other home mixer you'll fucking find in a lot of people's setups. And I still do stupid mistakes with it all the fucking time. And I'm just like, oh, I know better than this. And then I keep fucking it up. Like, I think even while talking about mic technique, I think I did some improper things while I was talking about it. And I'm not going to hate myself right now. I'm just going to hate myself like in two days when I'm editing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Devin, Heather, are you still alive? Did Mark blow you away with his answers? Yeah. Did I bore you guys to death? No, we're just in deep thought thinking about <laughs> our lives now after this whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just taking it in. Like, I think you have a lot of really good 
insight. And um, I don't know, it's, it's just been interesting, like hearing, hearing your insight. And because we don't get to, like Sterling was saying, we don't really get to speak a lot with, um, you know, the people that are more behind the scenes on it. So it's just really cool to just kind of hear that side of things. Cool. Well, I'm glad to help. Uh, I love talking about editing and because, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it all the time. And I, I guess I, I you know, I yeah. come, at, come at it from a certain perspective and um, now you know, how- kind of like we've been talking about this whole... Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you go, you go. <laughs> um, I think I was just going to like really ramble. So uh, <laughs> please, t- please ask a question. <laughs> See, I, I, I really love this back and forth you guys are ha- having because it's really going to put my practicing and like my my technique with editing to like full force to get rid of all that bullshit oh it's really easy just look at the waveform when i'm talking and just delete that (laughs) delete that whole bit is it currently a show that you're still doing editing for is it like done for the season um you know when do you go back into the swing of it if it is already done that kind of thing so we we are done making this i doubt we'll make any more unfortunately okay um we we had um you know, it's just not the business side of things has not worked out super great. Um, so unless, you know, you guys want to like pay us to make a bunch more, we'd love to. We had a blast <laughs> making it. Uh, but no, I, I guess I probably finish editing probably in July. Um, and then it just kind of takes a while to like finish up with mixing and color grading and getting it out into the world. Um, but yeah, because our sorry, um, because our team was so small, our process was um, or our production schedule was a lot slower. Than it would be for um, other similar shows. Um, you know, basically, this is a project that we were making in our free time, and then when somebody could pay us to make something, we were doing that. So I got distracted a lot. So I'd you know sometimes I'd edit on Inside Joke for you know a couple of weeks, and then have mm-hmm. to take a couple of weeks off to edit on something else um, to to keep the lights on, um, and then I'd <laughs> go back to Inside Joke. So it was a very kind of start and stop process. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it is. It is just like a one-time special show. It's not going to be a couple of more seasons of it type of thing. It's just like a one-time special sort of thing. Yeah, unfortunately, this is probably just going to be a one-time thing. Well, that is unfortunate because it, it is really it's it's unique in how they do it. So I, I think it's really that is a shame. But it it was it's enjoyable <laughs> while I've been watching it. So all your efforts were put to good use on our end, at least. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone call your congressman. Right. <laughs> uh, demand more inside joke with Asif Ali. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's kind of next on your on your agenda of things you're going to be working on? Um, that's a great question. Um, I can't really answer it partly <laughs> because I don't know. OK. And then partly because a lot of what I do, I can't really talk secret, about secret stuff out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean the company I work for is called Secret Headquarters and that's because a lot of what we do is like Under wraps. It, it really is confidential. It's, yeah, it's like a, we do a lot of like publicity type stuff and it's like gotcha. they're, they're all about controlling controlling the message so it's like you really aren't supposed to talk about what it is that you're working on. But we've got It's like um, fight club type like situation. <laughs> yeah, it's a very fight club situation. Understood. Um a little more violent, but not much. That is, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> totally. See, what I took from that is you're working on something for Disney because they are the most secretive of all the fucking companies. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to take it that you're working on Avengers 4 and you know the ending, you son of a bitch. Here's the ending. You're right. Um, 
so um Thanos snaps his fingers again and then everyone comes back <gasps> and then they all play Ring Around the Rosie till uh the end of time. It's really cute. I called it. I called it. Mark, you just blew my mind. Wow. There really is a <laughs> I could have sworn it would have been like Red Rover. <laughs> Red Rover just seemed like something they would do in that type of thing. Like it's it's a little bit more combative. <laughs> you know, there's still a team that wins. <laughs> Red Ro- Ring Around the Rosie just that threw me for a loop. I was not ready for that. Way to go. I mean, that they've got till end of time, so they might throw in a game or, game or two of Red Rover. Why not? <laughs> they've got some time yeah i would i would like to see a duck duck goose with that that bunch uh that that would actually be really funny you know people jetpacking and uh teleporting and all this other stuff uh, like web swinging away yeah, yeah it could actually be a surprisingly good game i think dr strange might could win that one i don't know i it's, maybe yeah. in, until until bruce banner gets pissed off that he can't catch anybody and then all <laughs> hell breaks loose yeah see that that should be the next movie subject for the Avengers for sure. The childhood <laughs> games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that is the next subject of the Avengers. Avengers four coming out next year. Lots of silly games. It's gonna be fun and wacky. So wacky. You guys are gonna love it. I know you probably <laughs> had to sign you know, some non disclosures and everything, but can you tell me whether or not there's any tetherball that's being played? <laughs> I can tell you. Okay, I can't tell you, but I will tell you. <laughs> yes. See, that seems good. I can't tell you who plays, <laughs> let alone who wins. But just know it's a matchup for the ages. Oh, see, man. that's that's what I want to see. I want to see some good old fashioned superhero tetherball. It's gonna be worth your fifteen dollars <laughs> for sure. No, I'm what I'm one. I'm on the AMC A list, so I only pay twenty bucks a month for you know three movies a week. So oh, check out Sterling. He's on the A list. Right? Wow, dude! I've only had to wait like five minutes to get popcorn. It's great sometimes. You only have to wait five minutes to get popcorn. Well, you get the you. I get the fast lanes for my <laughs> for my concession. Day. Yeah. How long does it normally take to get popcorn? Well, it depends on what time minutes. of day you go. <laughs> It should not take five minutes. <laughs> well, you know that's a lie. I mean, I used to work at the movie theater back in Midland. It right. sometimes took forever back in the day because we all sucked at our jobs and concession <laughs> lines got very long. Well, teenagers well, don't care, say, so, you know. Exactly. One of the perks of living in Los Angeles is people take the movie theater very seriously and they only hire, you know, really top-notch teenagers to make popcorn. So that shit's just right. Mm. Well, see, that's see, good. That's good. That's the way it should right. be. Yeah. Hey, okay, so I definitely am not back. I've been here the entire time, everyone. I haven't um, left at all, but some people seem to think, yeah, I, some people think I left this, but I didn't. But I know I was silent because I was just so enthralled by what Mark had to say during this podcast. So I was dead silent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just record <laughs> a few snippets that Sterling can edit in that he can just splice in there. Um, you know, just to break up that silence. So, um, just give me a few. Oh, just give me a three good ones. Oh man, Mark, I didn't, I didn't even know that, man. That's so insightful. <laughs> wow, that must have been very challenging for you, Mark. Very, very challenging. Oh yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that. Very challenging, Mark. You just blew my mind. <laughs> wow. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Fantastic. We're good to go. 
that one right there is gonna go. That one is gonna go right when you say the Avengers do ring around yes, the rosy. Yes, please do. But you, but that's exactly but, where I'm gonna put that last one. That I'm gonna put that one right there. It's gonna say the Avengers play ring around the rosy, and it's gonna go. Mark, you just blew my mind. But what we, what we do have to, we do have to do is we have to keep that part where I explained that I didn't leave once again because I didn't. I've been here the entire time, and I didn't have any audio problems whatsoever. <laughs> everything's fine no that's that's exactly like as soon as you said that i was like i know exactly where that one's gonna go it really is gonna be like that episode of the office when daryl's like i've been doing life hacks so let's go ahead and record a couple of clips right now and he goes he or she really got <laughs> themselves into a predicament and then later in the episode you randomly see that same clip of where he goes he or she really got themselves into a predicament so i'm gonna keep this part in there where you explain all of that and I'm still going to take those clips and splice them before this. What a predicament. <laughs> so now after we're now after we're done with these deep office, you know, these office deep cuts right here. Um, so other than that, Mark, is there anything yeah. like movie or TV wise that you are looking forward to later this year? Um, man, uh, movies. I feel like I'm pretty disconnected from what's happening the rest of the year. Although I did just see the trailer for Vice. Uh, the Dick Cheney uh, uh, bi- biopic. That looks really interesting. I really like uh, Adam McKay, the director. Um, and he's back with uh, Christian Bale and St- Steve Carell. Um, and I also think that Dick Cheney is a fascinating and horrifying uh, figure. So I bet that will be really good. Um, TV-wise, I don't know, man. Are we going to get like Rick and Morty this year? That would be great. Um, I feel like all the good TV is probably out right now. Um, so I'm just going to keep working my way through BoJack. That's honestly the most, the most exciting TV I'm going to watch is the second half of the season of BoJack that just dropped. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the, oh, what was it? The chilling adventures of Sabrina, the teenage witch, uh, which they just dropped the trailer for that for Netflix that comes out later this month. Um, I'm a really big fan of the comic series when they revamped that. And, uh, I really think this is going to be interesting and good. Uh, super excited by that. But I mean, going back to what you were saying about Vice, though, I mean, I'm super stoked about that movie because one of the most underrated movies I've seen in the last few years was The Big Short. Like, The Big Short does not get enough credit for what the fuck it does for movies. Yeah, The Big Short is probably one of my favorite editing editing in movies. I watched it, like, fairly recently, like a year ago for the second time. And it's just like, it uses, like, all these different techniques and it's so dense and they're able to pack in so much information. Um, but in a way that's like you can understand it um, because it's there's a lot of deep concepts that I don't you know understand about you know markets and stuff like that. But they do such a good job of explaining it, and there's you know there's so much that happens. It's really it's such a dense movie, and that's because the, the editing is is so good. They're able to to really cram in all this information and have it still be you know funny and dark and uh, informative. And yeah, they uh, made really, it very processable. That's what I loved about that movie. Yeah, exactly. Like they took something that was incredibly complex, like AAA housing bonds and the entire market that was built up around those since like the 1960s and really like boil it down to like a very processable amount of information. Like you can be fairly knowledgeable and kind of understand what's going on and still get lost in what happened in that housing crisis uh, that happened a decade ago. And this movie really made it digestible. It made it where it was inter- it, it was like one of those good educational TV shows. It was entertaining and educational all at the same time. Totally. 
but yeah, that trailer, that trailer for uh, Vice, like when you're sitting there and you're watching what Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush and uh, Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, like it's not necessarily historically accurate as far as the conversation goes for that moment. But you actually at the same time, like if you remember that like time period, you actually could see that conversation happening, like whether or not it did or didn't exactly like it shows in the movie. You still can picture that conversation happening during that time. Yeah, it's like you don't have to capture the, you know, verbatim what happened. But, you know, what was the 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 vibe of the conversation? What was the energy of the conversation? You know, what was the dynamic between those two guys? And I think a lot of times you can capture the dynamic between two people better with a joke which Adam McKay, I'm sure, will do than, you know, by being verbatim accurate. Yeah. And like not to get like too deep, like political, like wise on this podcast, because we are a movie podcast. Like, it's just one of those things, though, that like seeing George Bush now, like the way he interacts with people and the way he talks now, like whenever he was giving his point of views on Trump and like his interactions with, you know, the Obamas and stuff like that. Like you actually could see that conversation having happened just like it, it shows in that little snip, uh, the little snippet that they, they released it, uh, today as the day we were recording this podcast um, for that movie. Like it really does seem like that's what would have happened based on like what you see of him now, because like George W. Bush now, you don't necessarily see the same guy we saw as president. And so like with Dick Cheney removed or Dick Cheney's influence removed from George W., you kind of see that parallel of where that happened. Yeah, it's like it's so interesting because the I guess the outward image of his presidency and like all the negatives that are attached to it. Um, and then like his personality is like is very soft and affable and like funny. Um, so it's like such a strong juxtaposition of like what history will remember him as and what we know of him as a as a human being. It's very stark. Once again, the deepest podcast we've ever had brought to you by Mark. <laughs> Glad to help. You know, it's like, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's let's think about these things. Let's, uh, you know, now art, man. Now we get to go into our hour and a half long discussion <laughs> of exactly what happened to you when you were a young child and why Inside Out really we're not, we're hit. We're not going to do that, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to have that conversation. Oh, Another podcast. We only have an hour yeah, and a half. Sorry. I don't know if I can squeeze it all in because I got a lot I of mean, stuff to talk about. Can we about. at least get it? Can we at least get it into the runtime of the no, movie? No, we Inside cannot Out? because nope, um, we cannot. No, nope. we can't do it. <laughs> um, Mark, one other thing. Um, is there anything, you know, because I know that you've piqued the interest of people who are listening right now. Um, so is there, if they want to see more of your shit, all right, where do they go? Plug yourself or plug, plug some of the other comedians you work with on inside joke, anything. Yeah. So inside joke with Asif Ali is available on Amazon. Uh, so if you're a prime member, it's free. Um, if you're international outside of the United States, it's available on Vimeo on demand. Uh, you can rent, you know, episodes or the whole show. Um, again, that's inside joke with Asif Ali. Um, so watch it now. It's great. There's 30 great comics on there. Um, Preacher Lawson, Erica Rhodes, Ian Abramson, Steve Gillespie, JC Karias, Amir K, uh, Dino Archie. That's like maybe eight of them. There's 30. That's what I could think of off the top of my head. There's 30 very different comics with different stories and different life perspectives and jokes. 
Um, so I think you're you're gonna find something that you really enjoy. Hell yeah! On Inside Hold on. Joke. Please don't. Please go. Man, that's that. Is that is, is that how that you plug? You've done that before. That's how you plug kind of without an anus, man. That <laughs> you couldn't done one any better. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. I'm cutting out <laughs> half of what you just said. <laughs> yeah, just cut out every other word so it sounds like I'm an insane person. Oh no, Although I wasn't that would about be pretty hilarious. About what, Kevin <laughs> what you said was fine. What you said was fine. <laughs> and then it went into anal plugs, and wow. Um. You know, that's that's where the conversation goes. It's where it goes. You know, it's a podcast. Cut out nothing. Right. Other than that, guys, we do appreciate you for listening. Check us out on Facebook, Cinema Slayers, uh, Twitter, Cinema underscore Slayers. Um, we are also cinemaslayers.com. Go to there. Uh, we have a link to our Threadless shop. You can get some T-shirts and we will have stickers uh, up there because why not? Stickers are fun. You can stick them on fucking anything. Uh, go ahead and go do that. Buy t-shirts, buy stickers, rate them five stars wherever you're listening to this. Write a review. Help these people out. If you're listening, do what you can. Show them some love. See, now that's that how you do awesome. a plug. I, I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I'm going to cut that and actually put that on every podcast from this point on. Because, yes, good <laughs> iTunes. Uh, rate us there. We are on SoundCloud. Go there. Follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, we are also anywhere you listen to, go to their Go to their Venmos. Just send them money. Um, go to PayPal, send them money there. <laughs> yes. Um, wherever they bank, just put money in directly into their accounts. Yes, we are on PayPal. Perfect. So if you want, if you want to find us on PayPal, it's cinemaslayers at cinemaslayers.com. That is our <laughs> PayPal email address. If Give you want us some to damn do that. money. Um, <laughs> we do appreciate you guys. We do appreciate you guys listening to us. We do have some exciting contests coming your way. We've got some exciting new merch coming your way in a little bit. We're going to have some uh, big major revamps to the website and how we do our reviews. Look out for that. And also, as a quick shout out, as the day of re- we are recording this, the Cubs lost yesterday in the wild in the wild card of the uh, National League uh, playoff series. They're not in the playoffs anymore. It doesn't matter. Go Cubs, go. Thank you for listening.